Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson. Joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. We're back. Second time in a week. Training camp edition. Hello. Preview those Adelaide 36ers. That's what we're here for. No, I won't do that. <laughs> Let's just jump right into it. Just the main takeaways from this week. Uh, we podcasted after media day on Monday. So if you're looking for media day breakdowns and all that uh, good stuff, it's over there. And then less than 24 hours after that podcast, the biggest story of the week dropped. DeAndre Ayton is not talking to Monty Williams. However you want to phrase it, they're not speaking to one another. There is not an open line of communication with them. We don't really know. I, I The way that I phrase this in one of the radio appearances I did this week is like, we know what, like 5% of the details on this? Yeah. Because we know that they're not speaking. But we don't know why, we don't know how, we don't know to what extent. We don't know who's really not trying to speak to whom. We're not going to have a ton to say about this because it's just bad. <laughs> it's just, it seems it, bad. It, it just seems bad. Here's the whole deal. DeAndre Ayton was talking about carne asada fries <laughs> because he was telling us about his new diet and how Mexican food was like a big problem for him in terms of like everyone's got like the food that gives them issues like for me it's it's canes for the most part like i treat myself to canes or like you're something like, like you that stay like away. Once, yeah. once a month like once every two months but like if i have it any more than that now i'm having it three times a week again like i did in college or whatever and now i'm really in trouble yeah so i asked him like what's your what like with Mexican food, like what gives you the most issues? Like carne asada fries without a doubt. And then he was starting to like open up a bit. And then Mark McClune from 12 News just asked him about just how him and Monty have like kind of moved on. And then DeAndre interrupted in mid-question and said he hasn't talked to him, quote, at all ever since the game. Then there was about three or four seconds of silence. We all looked around <laughs> and we were like, whoa, follow up. A lot of people followed up. Aiden was asked if he's happy here. I believe that was Cam Cox. And he said, yeah, I'm all right. When I'm in between those lines now, I just work. I'm not playing for myself. I have an organization across my chest and a name on my back I have to represent. I'm just here to work, man. Another follow-up came in just asking, like, what would he, like, say to Williams if, if they were to have a conversation? And he said, I can show him better than I can tell him. Yeah. So... To provide the inside baseball, how the day went, sometimes uh, Chris is a big guy on this because he's Chris Paul. He's got a million things to do. We'll walk in and like a player will be sitting down already at like the Zoom setup and is like, let's go. And and DeAndre was eager to speak today or, or just to kind of speak and then go on with his day or whatever. That happens with every player. Uh, so Monty usually talks first about 95% of the time, but this was one of those 5% times. So Monty talked 20 minutes later and he downplayed it, said he hasn't talked to a lot of guys in the offseason. Devin Booker later in the week said like the same exact thing where like the times that we did. So they did talk, but he kind of got the similar message of like, stay away from this for a while. Let yourself breathe. Just kind of detach. We've got over four months, that kind of thing. The part of Monty's uh, downplaying that I can't really get past and, and where as much as you want to 
I don't know. It's, as much as you want to believe what Monty is saying, what he said was like, I get into spats with Chris, like Devin, Mikel, and, and all that. It's like, okay, well, we don't know about any of those. We know about this one now. And that in and of itself, it becoming public is, is a huge... The player is making it a deal. Is a huge problem. There are several different angles to go from here, but I think we should start there. Just with the fact that this is something that has now become public and now every single time DeAndre Armani does anything I saw Mark McClune post a video from Twitter yesterday with like DeAndre like 30 feet in front of Mon Armani like 30 feet in front of where DeAndre was like they were on different sides of the court and just kind of monitoring them to see if they were going to interact at all and like that is what they have signed up for now basically with DeAndre doing this and Ramona Shelburne before I kick it to you Ramona Shelburne made a great point when she joined me and I I wrote this uh, in my column on Monday, just with Media Day, where there is a level of understanding that a lot of these guys have just in terms of how they are perceived and how it can go a really long way for them to act a certain way in in media availabilities. It's just, I, I hate that I'm phrasing it this way, but that's just how it is, and some guys are okay with like putting on the face and everything when they need to. And then some just aren't. And in this case, Deandre was not on Monday. And then again, on Tuesday, he was, he could have just said, yeah, me and Monty, like it was a rough patch, but we're kind of, he was not going to do that. He was just going to tell us what exactly what is happening. And he didn't care that it got out there. He doesn't care about the ramifications of it. Because if he, if he did care, he, he, he just wouldn't have said it. And in my opinion, that's just my opinion on how to interpret what went on and this is pointing fingers at da before i kick it to you this is obviously a money problem more than a da problem do you agree with that because this is just i just presumed that money and just assumed money was going to take care of this in the offseason and it appears that for whatever reason again to go back to the five percent thing like he is not i think it matters that da shows up again even going back to last year he showed up regardless of how he played showed up, act professionally, and from all accounts, looks like he's a fine teammate. Like, he's not mad at Booker. He's not deflecting any frustrations here to Chris Paul, whatever, the rest of his teammates. he He's kind of made clear, like, I'm going to play hard for this team, right? Like, you wouldn't disagree on that, I don't think. I wouldn't, and I'll just add, like, he loves his teammates. Like, a lot of those guys are his friends, and he would... I refuse to even entertain a notion where he would let this affect his play on the floor because in turn it's like to kind of put it like simply like we're talking about like personalities and everything like he'd be letting down his friends and like he's not gonna he's not gonna do that to to Mikel or Cam or or Book or Chris or anyone like like he's not gonna do that cool yeah I agree and when you look at okay like KD (laughs) James Harden when those guys ask for trades which again DA has not really done but even if in the back of through all this, if you are a believer that DeAndre Ayton does not want to be here, um, worst case, that's the worst case, I think, then he's at least going to show up and play hard for his teammates, be professional, all that good stuff. So I think when you put all that into account, regardless of what his feelings are, and I'm not one to ever be like, James Harden should not want to, or he should want to be with the Nets, for example, last year. I don't I don't care. He, is, he feels what he feels. I think you should be able to feel how you feel. Sometimes, like, Jay Crowder feels how he feels. Now, I don't know how easy it is to trade him compared to these other guys. All that said, whatever the case DeAndre feels, he feels that way. As long as he shows up, does his job, whatever. So, 
if you're looking at Monty from either the perspective of helping this basketball team or helping DeAndre, there's not any deviation from the fact that he needs to fix it, right? Like, there's no reason not to fix it. Whether you want DeAndre to stay and play well, whether you want to trade DeAndre as soon as you can trade DeAndre, you have to fix it because if he plays well, then you'll be easy to trade him, right? So when you look at how things were happening basically in concert with the Suns, with how Brooklyn's offseason was, where they had a guy who wanted to leave, actually, well, probably two guys, in Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and you see at the same times this week when you say, what? Oh, DA said that. And like within an hour, like Steve Nash is being like, yeah, I saw the things about Kevin Durant wanting me fired. But we talked about that in August. And you read that they talked it out. And then you hear Kevin Durant say, oh, we talked it out. He had a spaghetti dinner last night with Ben Simmons and Kyrie. Great. Like, why isn't Monty and DA having a spaghetti dinner? Not even that. Just like... And that's over where, it, over it. Even yeah. if they don't dis, don't agree, be over it at this point. And that's where we have to just keep asking questions instead of speculating, because that's just going too far into speculation zone for sure. Uh, one thing I'll just say, like kind of clearly, and just we don't have to break it down any further, is that it's obvious that a line of communication has to be open between Monty Williams and all of his players, let alone his third most important player on his team, his starting center. Do you remember the Monty clip from the from the finals run that went viral of him motivating a player on the bench? Yeah. You remember who it was? It was DA. It was DeAndre. So are they just not going to talk during games now? Is this like it, it's I I'm not going to go any further than that. It's just an obvious thing that kind of needs to be said out loud. And and look. The problem here is that people are going to disagree with what I'm about to say, but this is none of our business. <laughs> It's not really our business, but now I'm trying to phrase this the right way. It has sort of been made our business. So if they do talk, they should tell us. Yeah. (laughs) Like they should probably tell us if they talk. Cause I'm just imagining like we find out like three weeks after the fact, like, oh yeah, they they, like made up for what it is. And like, they're going to work together to try and get the best out of the situation or however you want to phrase it. And it's, it's turned into this, when I, I sent you the clip, I was on YouTube and like YouTube does this thing now where when you go to YouTube.com, all you're going to see are algorithm recommended videos. And one of them for my algorithm, because I watched Suns videos and NBA videos on there was an undisputed clip. And it was 10 minutes long of Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless talking about this. And I sent it to you and I was like, I can't believe we're at a point now where the James Jones, Monty Williams era of Suns basketball is feeding segments to the talking head shows like the talking head shows talk about the Suns. you get what i'm saying but like the drama of it and it's not being blown out of proportion like it's not like we're making the story bigger than it is this is like a shannon and skip come into work and they know this is going to be one of the two or three biggest things they talk about on that day like that's and and off the court stuff to be clear because I know like game seven and it's internal and all that kind of stuff. But just off the court stuff that's never happened with this group ever. We never even gotten close to anything like that. Yeah. Before, and now it's just for this kind of thing to happen. It takes me back to when game seven happened and people just saying like this is something that this group's never going to be able to come back from. Skip Bayless had the line the sun is setting, and all that stuff. 
Wow, you listened to a lot of Skip Bayless, Kellen. We played it on Burns and Gambo <laughs> yesterday because we 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 Huge fan over here. You could, yeah, I just can't <laughs> get enough. Apparently, the on court stuff is what it is, and the off court stuff is what it is. But that kind of narrative, we'll call it, of the Suns are never going to be the same after Game Seven. They're adding a lot to it. Where there's smoke, there's fire, et cetera, et cetera. There is so much smoke right now that it is now a concern for me. I'm ready to kind of say for the first time ever that I am actually concerned that they are not going to be able to. Now, am I saying they can't? No. If I had to pick right now, I'd say they'll still be fine in, in basketball terms. Now, I still have concerns about them as a basketball team, but... In terms of that loss and like whatever happened this offseason, whatever has been happening with DA and Monty and DA and the team, Monty and the team, whatever, Chris and the team, Devin and the team, whoever, whatever it is in the locker room, Jay and the team, uh, I am actually concerned now. Like I'm, I'm actually concerned because this is just, there, there's just too much there now. When we, there's just yeah. too much there now. When we, when you talked about Jay last podcast episode on Monday. Basically, when you look at it like this, Monty Williams and the Suns are not in a great place with two of their top six players from last year. That would be quite a bit of smoke if you ask me now. I'll s- go ahead. Which is why they should pay Cam Johnson. <laughs> don't make it three. Uh, pay the man. I don't know if that'd be a problem. I wouldn't. I wouldn't it wouldn't be a problem, right. but, to, but it would be another thing hanging over their heads. Like pay, yes. pay the man. But that being said, if you want comfort in all this, okay, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say Monty really did want to give people space. Let's say Monty did have a DA spat maybe all of last year, or it was just game seven. I don't want to speculate on all that. But whatever it is now, he knows, because you guys told him at the very least. If he had zero clue, which I'd be surprised at, but who knows, then he at least knows now, and he has time to fix it. He has time to, hey, DA, let's go to grab some coffee or some dinner and fix it. Or let's talk after practice and fix it. Um, so, I mean, there's no other way out of this other than fixing it. And we'll see what the product is. And I honestly don't envy you guys out there at practice being like, okay, do I ask Imani at the start of every practice today? Have you guys talked yet? Do you do it at the start of the season again? Do you... Every day. To just say this somewhere. Because you have to do your job, but also like that's going to piss off the guy who doesn't, who wants to keep all this stuff internal. To just say this somewhere, Monty told us he's done talking about it. Yeah. And when Monty has told us in the past that he is done talking about something and then he is asked about it again by someone from an outside space or by someone inside who's just like, I'm just going to ask today. Like, I don't care. He does not answer. So you just wasted your question and now he's in a bad mood. Yeah. Like it's it's just not smart to do. And I know there are people who are a lot older than me who have been doing this professional a lot longer than I have who feel like it's my duty to go in there and ask about DeAndre every single day now. Yeah. And look, if we were in New York, I'm guessing that would be happening. Yeah. We're, we're not in New York and I'm not those people. So it's just not going to happen for me. And you can accept if you like but it it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. happen. He's going to be asked about it still. And look, especially. And he needs to answer it. Too. And he needs to answer it, especially after games too. like if DeAndre is disengaged. It's going to be like, do you think this has anything to do with the fact that you guys haven't talked yet? Have you guys talked yet? Like, that's going to that's gonna come up. Yeah. 
Very last thing before we move on, because we should. You made a great point, and I thought about this while he was answering one of the questions. Monty, during that press conference, I want to say maybe one total question was about Game 7. Maybe one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One or two. And he kept bringing up Game 7. Just kept bringing it up. He he brought it up with uh, DeAndre question, like specifically about DeAndre. And he's like, Game 7 is not on. And no one even alluded to Game 7, that data, anything. And he was like, Game Seven's not on DeAndre. It was on me. I didn't get the guys ready. And he just felt the need to kept addressing Game 7. And it's like, we're not asking about Game 7? <laughs> yeah. Just one of those things. To go back to the concern, it's like, I, we can only read into what's provided to us. And that was... That was not encouraging I, on that front either. I read that because he was referencing Game 7 when he was being asked about DeAndre and their relationship. And I wasn't reading it as in they're making a big deal out of Game 7. I believe they're not. But I do believe that he was trying to use it as a defense to not talk about DA, if that makes sense. And Both are bad. I, yeah, I just think that he was trying to make this connection to get out of answering questions about DA specifically. That's my read on it. But if it's the the other read on it is he's thinking about game seven too much, even though he's saying he's not talking about it. So yeah, we'll see where it goes. Um, we're kind of transitioning into, we're covering a basketball team now uh, as, as on Wednesday. Kellen loves covering basketball. That's what, that's what I started doing. Um, on that front, before we go there, not really any Jay Crowder updates yet. Uh, Gambo reported, I believe, that Dallas is not interested, which makes a ton of sense because the three guys that make the most sense over there are Dorian Finney-Smith, who was just awesome for them in the playoffs and is probably better than Jay Crowder. Yep. Reggie Bullock, who was... Same. So those three uh, guys, Jay was great in the Dallas series. He was really good. But Reggie Bullock was better than him in that series, and so was Dorian Finney-Smith. And like, there's just no reason for them to do that for a bunch of reasons. And then Dwight Powell, I guess. But like Dwight Powell here just doesn't make sense. So I, that made sense to me when that was reported. And then there's some Jetty Osmond stuff in Cleveland. Yeah, I don't know where that... I almost... So I did a breakdown of... To, to again, I do these things just to like be like, hey, if you think Jay Crow is getting traded for Jordan Clarkson, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, like I almost put Cleveland in that because Cleveland, like he fits in Cleveland, I think young upstart team, lots of guys who can score. He would kind of fill plug the same way, like plug defensive coverages, talking little things guy like Ricky Rubio over there. Um, but yeah, the options of like what they're going to do, I just don't know. It's very strong. I don't there aren't many good situations that make a lot of sense for like both teams at all. Uh, yeah, I don't know where he goes. I think I'm with you. I I thought they were going to get it done before the season when we talked about this last week just because it just seems like they need to get going. Like they don't have the depth to do this right now. Uh, but they might just have to because wouldn't it have gotten done two months ago or a month ago or six weeks ago or three weeks ago whenever this started I think think started the season can be a nice like we need to try by then and then you get into hairy territory where it's like you're burning a roster spot all that stuff it's hanging over your head Cam Johnson though 
Is that where we're going with this? Do you want me to? We can just talk camp stuff that's come up. So we're three days in. That was Tuesday, the DA stuff. That dominated Tuesday. Wednesday was relatively normal until someone asked about asked Evan Booker about his dating life. Oh. Then I tried to recover the situation. <laughs> and then that person brought attention to that situation again. I was like, holy moly. Just uh, d- please let this not be the last thing we talked to him about before he gets up and leaves. And then it wasn't. <laughs> I need we, to go listen to Someone this. asked about a Hulu account. I think it was Lena Washington. Bless her. And uh, that's when I made the joke because Book was like, I got like a bunch of accounts from a bunch of people. I'm one of those. Guys. And I was like, oh, you're one of those guys, huh? When I change the password, you text me and you're like, hey, what's the new? Pa- change the password on the on the Hulu account. Book huh? can't pay his $500 Cox bill like everyone else has to do. He's one of those guys, I guess. Uh, this That was Wednesday. Relatively normal. Yesterday was great. Um, so we're back to basketball for now. We'll see what happens in between episodes. Because it feels like it's it might just be one of those years. I don't know. I hope not. But can't say for sure. This team got a lot of time off. It was 70 days in between, or 75 days, in between the last game they played in the 2021 NBA Finals and the first preseason game. It was 75 days, I believe, I had down. They got 139 this year. And for Book, it was 57 because he flew to the Olympics. And so I did it from the day he got his gold medal um, to the first preseason game that that following year. Big extended break. And they got a lot of continuity as well. Everyone's favorite word, continuity. The people love to hear it. Monty, um, it was it was surprising to hear how much, and, and not even like I'm just saying it was surprising because I wasn't expecting him to be high enough on it where like apparently there is a and this is us all learning there's this huge difference just between even the extra year they got because i think the way that we all um people who haven't played for professional basketball team (laughs) think about it like oh yeah like second or third year in the system you have everything down and like nothing really changes from there and it's kind of like there's a ceiling you can reach or whatever uh not a ceiling because monty just said even compared to last year they are really far ahead and they have been scrimmaging every day they had a two-a-day yesterday on Thursday. They scrimmaged on Tuesday. They scrimmaged three quarters on Wednesday, which is a lot. Uh, and then Thursday, they did two-a-days, and they scrimmaged Thursday morning, too. And I'm guessing today, Friday, when I head over there in an hour, I'm going to see refs walking through the lobby because they scrimmaged again. And that's put them really far ahead. They've been able to just scrimmage a ton, and that is obviously a good thing for a myriad of reasons. But then Kevin... They've got continuity on the coaching front, too, which is a big deal. We emphasized when they lost Darko Rajakovich. We emphasized when they lost Willie Green. Kevin Young did not get the Utah job. Monty Williams joked that he he felt bad, but then he was also relieved. (laughs) He wanted his buddy to get a really great opportunity and and take it, but or not take it, but uh, get that opportunity. And Kevin Young is going to get a head coaching job soon enough here, but it's it's not going to be this year for now. You don't want that job. (laughs) <laughs> gonna need some time there you're gonna need some time in utah that's for sure but he's got all his guys back randy air the only move was that randy airs his longtime uh, assistant coach who goes back to him with the new orleans days you'll remember when they won the western conference he brought randy airs with him to speak with him during um his postgame press conference he moves up uh to a new role he won't be on the bench but he'll still be around 
Uh, Patrick Mutombo comes in. I think we briefly mentioned him a couple months ago. If you read anything on this guy, everyone speaks incredibly highly of him. Monty called him a steal, said his ability to like relate and teach is just crazy. Uh, and already like is just like mentioning like Patrick's family being involved and just like how how seamless of a fit it seems like he is and how great of a fit he is. So the coaches have it too, and they spent those 140 days really expanding their thought processes and going beyond like, hey, what do we think of this? Okay, this should be the three things we work on this summer. Okay, we worked on them, but it's like, okay, we worked on them. Well, actually, no, this, actually that. Okay, let's change that. Now let's look at it. Okay, let's go back to that. And then maybe, and they had so much time. And it seems like the players did too, but the coaches specifically for what they want to do. And my favorite nugget so far of the week is that he said, Patrick, they're even going to take some things, just going to say like it is, they're going to take some (laughs) things from Toronto that Patrick would do over there and the Raptors would do and implement a couple of those things. Like if they play some of those weird Raptor zones, that would be fun. Those are great. We we is always he the inventor of the weird Raptor zones. I think so. Really? Uh, or no? No, he I have is. no idea. But oh, I thought you were saying you heard he was. I, no, I I don't, I don't no. know. I don't think so. I'm but curious, but yeah. Toronto. We've talked about Nick Nurse on this podcast a lot. Toronto is the king of creativity and doing weird stuff and unique stuff on the court. So it sounds like they're going to do a little bit of that, which is great because we've been. That's something we've been asking for for a couple of years. Just a little bit more unique stuff on that front. They've run a zone. They've run a zone ever since Monty got here, which has always produced great results, but it's been kind of two, three minute thing here and there. Out of a timeout. Yeah. That kind of thing where it sounds like they can get in their bag a bit more with concepts and things like that. Uh, but that that's that was the primary takeaway number one is that they really took advantage of the break, which matters. He's an interesting addition, just real quick. Because when you talk about Cam Johnson, like he was super involved in developing, I think, Siakam. And when you think about, like, Monty talked about this week, adding more to the plate of Mikel and Cam, and that's going to help take off some of the workload for Book and CP3, like, as far as initiating and that kind of thing, creating more offense. And Monty talking about just like maybe that's going to be uncomfortable and they just have to learn to kind of push those guys and grow them more even if there are bumps in the road i think matumbo's a guy who also matters when he comes to development um but yeah that's i think like when you think about coaches they just sit in their office in the off season like maybe yeah they go on a two-week vacation but my my imagination tells me that coaches like to send their offense offices and just go over stuff endlessly that's why they're in the business so i'm curious to see when you do have continuity how different things look yeah matumbo is big on he his background is mostly player development from what i can tell and like that's it Coaches never get pigeonholed into certain things for sure. Yeah. But I mean, if you hear player development and then look at the Raptors roster and just the success stories that they've had, not only with like the high level ones like Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and such, but even on like the lower tier, like some of the guys that come up with, just think about like Gary Trent, for example, who is playing the best basketball of his career over there. He's still a relatively new player in the league. Don't get me wrong. And in Portland, he showed some stuff. But I think in Toronto is where he really kind of established that like he's going to be in the league. Like, Chris Boucher, super unique. There's, that's a good a, one. As a basketball player, just super skinny. Like I, I didn't think at Oregon he was so good. But you had to find 
like what he's going to translate in the NBA because he's just so skinny and such a unique body type. And they basically made him an NBA player, I think. Um, even though he was a lot older when he came out of college, they like found what he could be good at. So, yeah, that kind of stuff super intriguing. Josh Jackson's on the Raptors. Did not know that. Me neither. Hey, you know what's a good idea? <laughs> what? McKellen and Cam on the ball more. Yeah. It's a really good idea. I'm going to share the full Monty Williams quote here before we go, just because I think it's really important to harp on. I think something you and I talked about, and it, it seemed like we never really got it last year, was <coughs> use the regular season for what it is. Just get ready for the playoffs, basically. Try new stuff individually, schematically, and all that stuff. And to be fair, we saw a lot of that last year. I think there was a mentality shift. You're wincing a bit when I say that. We didn't see enough of it. And it sounds like they kind of halfway got there last year. And it sounds like Monty, at least from this one, again, one answer, it seems like they're committing a lot more to this idea of, hey, like as long as everything's good by April and May, like that's fine. So he was asked about Cam Johnson starting and how the dynamic could change in the offense. By the way, Cam Johnson is officially the starter uh, on the team. That was not said anywhere officially. Monty just did a fun smile and said, we'll see when asked on media day. And then he just was talking about Landry yesterday uh, and then just kind of mentioned Cam in the starting lineup, opens up opportunities for others. Like, oh, yep, there it is. Uh, in case you need confirmation on that, two different stories on ArizonaSports.com from your boy on that if you're looking for more. Here's the quote. The hope is he and Mikel can help out with the offensive initiation. Those guys have the ability to facilitate, and I just haven't given them the chance. And we've talked about being comfortable with uncomfortable change. There's going to be times when it doesn't look great, and that, and it, but I think that's where they're going to grow. Hopefully, as the season moves forward and we get to a place where we're hitting our stride and moving into the playoffs, hopefully those guys are more comfortable because we let them explore and make mistakes and figure some things out. But they both have the capability to expand our offense that way, and that part is exciting when you think about those opportunities. I think the main thing is for both of those guys, if we can just have, if we, the, the, the people watching the basketball team, if, if they can have just one of those guys, just one, where it's beyond flashes, then they're in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's both, holy crap, they're really cooking. But we've seen the flashes from both of them. Flashes is a word and term, the terminology we've talked about a ton on here with some of the not so good stuff and some of the good stuff. Like Mikel, three years ago, was like, can he score from all three levels? And then last year, he showed like even with more shots and more mid-range opportunities and stuff, like, yeah, I can still be hyper-efficient in all three of these spots. And then it's like, okay, now can you do it when you start the possession yourself? Yeah. And then Cam as well, I think is is a little less, again, like the, the shake and the ability to like create space off the dribble. I think that's more of a Mikel thing than a Cam thing. Cam's more of a downhill guy. But you know what would be great, Kevin? If they had like a downhill slasher who got to the foul line. That would be pretty great. And if Cam Johnson can kind of add that little wrinkle that they haven't had really from anyone on this team except Devin Booker. And he's not even a slasher by any means, but he just gets to the foul line because he's a scorer. Yeah. That would be a humongous addition uh, for this team. And this is one of those things where McCall was involved a lot in the preseason offense last year, and then we kind of didn't really see it come back. DeAndre, of course, two years ago, 
first five, 10 games, we were like, oh man, like they're really getting him involved here and it's kind of hurting their product now, but that's fine because the end goal and how much are they going to commit to this? It's going to be now near the top of like what we're watching in the first 20 games. And then more importantly, games like 40 and 50, if they're still going to stick to it. Yeah, that's what I took out of that quote. If you remember last year, I honestly don't even know if it was 10 games in where we were or just the preseason even where we were like seeing, all right, Cam Cam Johnson, for example, trying to get to the hoop more, hit and miss results, um, sometimes forcing it. <laughs> but like him, Mikel, Landry, there are all these like, oh, they're trying new things, trying to work on their game and they're trying to do it in like relatively organized actual basketball games at some point that just fell off fell out the bottom and they went back to what they were doing that got them to the nba finals which like trust me we all get when you have a something that is working where you go to the nba finals you win a couple games there it's probably easy to just be like we should just do that again um so i think they did that pretty early last year and i think Maybe they, I don't know, I kind of took that quote as maybe him admitting like, yeah, we pulled off the trying new things too soon and, and we need to stick to it more. So that's that's going to be interesting to see if that percep- my perception and what you said of that quote is going to play out as we think it might. You just think about how much Jay was bringing the ball up in the postseason and then how it got to the point where Landry had to kind of be a point guard for the last two games they played in the last postseason. Mm-hmm. It even goes a little bit further to guys like that. One little nugget, uh, very subtly mentioned, and I will add, this is where Monty, at the, what the end of one of his press conferences, was at, was asked about trying an Australian accent because uh, mm-hmm. the fine people from the NBL are here uh, for the big game on Sunday was asked if he could try an Australian accent. Monty admitted, like, sometimes I forget I'm doing this thing, and then I see a quote from somewhere I said something. He's like, man, these people need to get a life. (laughs) It's like, fair. That's fair. We do. Uh, On the not having a life front, that's me. He did, like, mention a Landale-Sarge lineup, and I was like, okay. And he's been Uh. mentioning Dario at the four a bit. And to go on this, to end on this point of, like, trying new stuff and all that kind of stuff, like, with that kind of lineup, you want movement, you want high post stuff. You want to take advantage of those two guys being able to pass the ball, particularly Dario. And then you want to look at lineups to go alongside them because that's not a lot of shooting at those two spots. So you're like playing them with Cam and Landry is book playing with those guys. That's a lineup. That's the one thing from a lineup perspective I'll be watching for in the preseason is Landale's involvement specifically and, and more so like how they use Dario because they don't have Jay Crowder anymore, and they haven't uh, replaced him with anyone yet. And have we talked about that enough? <laughs> I don't think we have. <laughs> but to close, I think the main thing I kind of have thought about it like this is, like the term glue guys, role player, whatever. Think of it as like glue guys just as like consistent, reliable players. Cam Johnson was that guy on the bench. And it, it was just him last year, pretty much. I think JaVale, to a certain extent, with the right matchup, deserved to be in there as well. Yeah. JaVale's gone. And Cam is in the starting lineup. And no one has filled in those spots on the bench. Now, if you're a person to say that Dario deserves that label, go on right ahead. 
if you're one of those people who believes campaign, Landry Shamit, Bismack Biombo, Damian Lee, Josh Koji, Jock Landell deserve those labels, Ish Wainwright, go ahead. But they're going to need one or two of those to emerge. And maybe it comes on the trade market, maybe it doesn't. But just like consistency off the bench is going to be a huge thing to watch. And that's just early on watching this preseason game on Sunday, paying attention to who stands out. Because I think it's like it's open season. Like if Ish looks really good for the first three weeks, like maybe he's the first forward off the mm-hmm. bench. Like I wouldn't doubt that. Tory Craig, I didn't mention either. Uh, but yeah, I think they have to treat it that way, where it's like, yeah, we're gonna give you like campaign. We we haven't discussed that enough. He basically lost his backup starting role, or not backup starting, backup point guard role that he had held to Shamit. Um, Damian Lee, I think, deserves to be in there somewhere. Does he count as a slasher? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, that's close. Yeah, there are just a lot of puzzle pieces that I think they can't say, oh, we know how to put these together. Book, CP, not even CP. But it's on the same point where we're talking about April, May. Yeah. So it might take a couple of months. But that's where you... That's where you... DA, we know his role. Mikel, we know his role. Yeah. Maybe we don't know DA's role. I don't know. They should do this to be clear, but if it costs them games and then they're the third or the fourth seed, yeah, matchup's going to be tough and they, they better have figured it you out. hit 64 like last year. Good job. Okay. What's important now? Not the, the championship that the they championship could win this year. Thing, yeah. that, that, is, that is the big one. All right, buddy. We'll be back next week uh, sometime end of the week, Thursday or Friday. They play it in the preseason on Sunday. That is in Phoenix. They have an open practice on Saturday. I think it already sold out. Wow. Uh, so if you were looking to go, I hope you got your ticket. <laughs> uh, probably tickets still available for the preseason game on Sunday, I would assume. But then Wednesday, uh, they're in Sacramento, I want to say. And then I think we'll it's be Vegas back. for Lakers. Oh, yeah, game. yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Vegas. Are I you? You're I not, won't be there. I won't be there. I'll be here like next Thursday or Friday for the next episode, and we'll talk to you then. Bye.